0: A fellow by the i I'm sorry, by the name of H. Smith, <clears throat> uh, wrote a little quote from somebody. I don't know if it's his own quote or not, but um, I was reading it the other day, and and it kind of uh, just settled in my mind, and so I'm going to share it with you tonight. He said, "Count your blessings instead of sheep. Count your blessings instead of sheep." Now, my first thought was probably not what he had in mind. Um, The second thought didn't come until about a day and a half later, after you have time to think about things. And so the second thought then was when trying to go to sleep, count your blessings instead of sheep. That's what I thought maybe he might be trying to say. But my first thought was that maybe Mr. Smith was familiar with pastors and churches and how we like to take numbers, counts, and count the sheep, and, and um, remember how many people have come to church and haven't come to church, and so on and so forth, and, and um, <clears throat> so I can admit to you that as a pastor, I have counted sheep, uh, and I've uh, spent just about every Sunday, I think, counting sheep, uh, and Wednesday nights also, but <clears throat> in doing so, I was counting God's blessings, not just counting people, but counting God's blessings. And so uh, I look at uh, the people that have come, and what I see is something that God has prepared to be a blessing to me. And so I can count those sheep and say, Thank you, Lord, uh, for those who are here and for those who come. But as you know, many of God's blessings come to us through people. It's what people say and do that encourages us in our faith. And so uh, we look at people and we... And we should see them as somebody that, as a fellow Christian, we can encourage or who can encourage us. And uh, we know that we all need that from time to time, don't we? But there are uh, those counts that are taken uh, that I just must give God thanks for, you see, because as a pastor, you've been given a charge over a certain flock of sheep, but they're not your sheep. They belong to Christ. And so if they belong to Christ and he gives them to my care, then how can I not give thanks for them or count them and make sure that they're all present and, and uh, counted for, so to speak? You know, we want to make sure that we have everybody together and minister to the people that we can according to God's purpose. And then when we uh, count, uh, sometimes we include uh, members of sheep that love the Lord with all their heart that love their neighbors themselves. And uh, aren't those the types of sheep that we want in our church? Uh, people that are loving God and loving neighbor. And those are things Then we, get, we count and we give thanks for those people who are doing that. They, they uh, want to be in God's presence. They want to be under God's word. They want to be with other Christian people. And so uh, that's what church is about. But one such blessing with whom we should all be familiar is Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. Uh, by trusting Jesus to forgive us of our sins, we have entered into the grace that God gave Mary. We're participants in that because of the great work that was done through her in bringing our Lord into this world, that he could live and die and uh, that we could then could know God through him. But she was made a blessing to uh, believers uh, when the Word of God came and dwelt in her womb and waited those nine months before he would come out and even then grow as a child and eventually into manhood. But it's a wonderful thing to stop and contemplate Mary and uh, the blessing that she's been to all of us You see, we all owe her uh, just uh, a little respect and a little honor, if you will, Uh, uh, not the way the Roman Catholics do it, but just just to recognize that she's somebody special, that God had something special in mind for her. And so the Son of God came into the world, and uh, we all have benefited from that. We all think back on the years that have gone by since the birth and how many numbers of people... In counting, we can't count, but how many numbers of people trusted him as their Savior. And then we thank God again for Mary and the ministry that God uh, gave her. But she was a member of the church that Jesus Christ began. She was a member of the first church. And that's something that a lot of times we don't think about. Uh, Some of us aren't even aware that she was in church, but, uh, but she... Uh, did not mother the church. There are those who teach that she is the mother of the church, but she's not the mother. Uh, And we know that uh, she was not worshipped in that church, that she attended church with other believers, that she had no special authority in that church. She hadn't been given any special authority. She just attended church with other believers. And uh, she uh, didn't ask... For any special treatment, we don't see that in the scripture at all. She was not an individual who would have accepted any uh, worship or accolades. She was too humble to be worshipped in such a way. She was uh, an individual who uh, was given a special blessing, and she knew it. And that's the idea, is that we know what God is doing in our life, that we can see Him working there and then be grateful for what He does. Be grateful for the grace that he manifests in our life, but again, she was uh, in submission to the apostles in that church. Remember that. The, remember, excuse me. Remember that the apostles are the leaders in that first church. Christ called them out uh, to be his apostles and appointed them in that first church. As you read in Acts chapter 1, remember that there was the need for another apostle in the church, and they had a business meeting, and uh, one named Matthias was selected to replace Judas, and that was a church business meeting, and the apostles were overseeing that meeting. And so as we read uh, in this portion of Scripture, we're going to see uh, some things here that uh, will be interesting. Perhaps uh, there'll be something here to build up your faith, and perhaps there'll be something here that, having seen before, you would just say amen. Having not seen it before, you'll say, thank you, Lord, for letting me see it. Uh, but here we are then reading in Acts chapter 1. Remember that in verse 8 uh, and 9, uh, the Lord was speaking with His apostles, His disciples, and uh, it says, when He had spoken these things, He ascended uh, in a cloud and was received out of their sight. In verse 12, it says, "Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath's day's journey." And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And then that business meeting is going to follow as you read on in the book of Acts. But what you see here to begin with is that there is an assembly now of these believers that have been brought together. And they are there to honor the Lord, to serve the Lord. And by the way, this is occurring somewhere around, say, uh, seven to ten days after Christ ascended that you're going to be reading some of these things, uh, especially, though, <clears throat> when it comes to the day of Pentecost. So we just want to keep that in our minds. Seven days, approximately seven days from the time Christ ascended to uh, Pentecost. So just a week has gone by, and these things are going to be taking place, as you read here in the book of Acts. Now, <clears throat> she was a virgin, Mary, and uh, she was made to be a holy vessel by God uh, for the purpose of Christ's birth. But she continued to live by faith. You know, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. There are a couple of applications for that, but one of them is that if you're a just person, you'll live by faith. A just person should live by faith. And whatever you do in your life as a Christian should be done by faith. Uh, looking to God and trusting God and, and uh, just expecting God is going to work in your life and continue to do marvelous things for you also. He saved you, that was a marvelous thing, but there are more things to come. So in reading in Acts chapter 1, verse 15, it says, And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. So here somebody has numbered the sheep. There's 120 people assembled here in this upper room. And uh, Peter is going to stand up in the midst of them. As I'm standing here now in the midst of you, Peter stood up in the midst of that assembly and had some things to say then about replacing Judas and uh, uh, leading in that uh, uh, business meeting so that these things could be accomplished and so God could be glorified. Now, when we think upon this and uh, Mary's activity here in this first church, let's just recognize first of all that she was convinced of the necessity of being with other faithful members of the church. That's why she was assembling there. She saw the necessity of it. What is church if it's not a place for fellowship and for fellow believers to come together and, as was said earlier, encourage one another in the faith? We all need encouragement. There are times when we get down, times when we need somebody to help us up. We don't know where that help is coming from sometimes. But but in the, if you're in that church, somebody's going to do something to help you up. And that, that's the idea of being in church, that God has put us there not only to worship and to work and to do all those things, but to just be together, to work and pray together. But <clears throat> again, she was convinced of the necessity of being there. That's why she was in attendance. And... Being there, again, she's an individual that everybody else would probably uh, look at and want to hear from her things that she had experienced in her life, having born the Savior. Uh, So I'm sure that she got a lot of attention in church. But at the same time, she did not go there to preach. She was not a leader in the church. She uh, She was not given any authority. So she was not there to lead the church. Uh, she is not what other people want her to be as far as being a part of the Godhead. She was not that. She was a human being like you and I. And she had this wonderful blessing from God to be the mother of the Christ. And we'll look at that in just a little bit. But, <clears throat> but I want you to think again about this, that, that sometime prior to this meeting, sometime prior to Acts chapter 1, she had been uh, uh, baptized. She had believed. She had trusted the Lord, and at some point she was baptized. Now, whether that was under John the Baptist's ministry or whether that was under uh, Christ's ministry with the apostles. Remember, the apostles did some baptizing. Uh, and so, whether or not it was by them, we don't know. But it, she had to have been baptized to be a member of the church. And there she is. Uh, and so, uh, I believe you see that what the Bible is teaching us, it says they're in one accord there, they're all in agreement. And in order for you to be all all in agreement, you all have to have been saved and baptized and assembled. And then in agreement then uh, with what you're doing in that church. So here she is then, attending this place where uh, she has an opportunity to continue serving the Lord and to be a blessing uh, to those other believers. Now if you look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 15, it says there, the number of names together were about 120 And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. So here they are assembling again on the day of Pentecost. Again, this is about a week after Christ has gone uh, back to glory. And uh, what I'm doing, of course, is counting the three days that he was in the tomb and counting uh, the 40-day ministry that he had with the disciples before he ascended. So you have 43 days. That leaves seven days to the 50th day, which is Pentecost. And so uh, about a week or so later, here they are meeting again in this uh, upper room in one place, it says, in one accord. Then if you just turn your, uh, the page over to uh, chapter 2, and um, it tells us in that chapter, by the way, about the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that many people were pricked in their heart. They asked what they should do. Peter said, repent in the name of Jesus Christ, he says, for the remission of sins. And then he says, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But if you read on down in verse 41, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And so we know there were 120. So now 3,000 people, about 3,000 people have gotten saved and baptized. So adding to that number then, we have 3,120, including Mary. And uh, so this all happened again on Pentecost. It says... Uh, th- that that same day, that is the day that they believed. And as Peter was preaching, that was on the day of Pentecost. So whenever they believed, they made their profession of faith, they followed the Lord in baptism, and they're added to the church. You think Mary was happy? I think after all that she'd seen, all that she experienced, to see all of these people uh, trusting in her son, trusting in God's son, uh, to, to see that happening must have moved her, must have uh, been a very emotional uh, time for her. But we read about this and we read about it because we want to uh, encourage ourselves in looking at Mary's life. And that's what we do with the Bible because there are so many people who followed God and the Bible records their story. And so we read the Bible and we draw from what we read there and we say, that's what I need to do. Or thank you, Lord, for the example that you've given or some correction that I've received or something that God has done special. But also we read about people in the Bible that didn't follow God. And so we say, Lord, that's not what I want to be. I want to be different from that. And I want to honor you with, with what you want to do in my life. I'm here for a reason. I want you to establish all of that for me. Let me serve you as I can and as I should. And so here's Mary looking around and, and uh, observing these things and seeing these numbers of people coming to Christ, trusting in him. Uh, how happy, how happy she must be. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so there are some things, though, that I want to consider concerning characteristics in her life. Uh, some things that we can observe about her as she brought herself, and these characteristics into the assembly of believers. We can benefit from what we see in her. But first of all, I want you to think uh, about what we're going to read in uh, Luke here in just a moment. Uh, You can go ahead and turn to Luke uh, chapter 1. And I'll only say here that, that don't forget again that if church is important to the Christ who died for it, to the mother of, of God's son who was so diligent about attending its services, then it should be important to us too who have been saved and followed the Lord in baptism that we should be uh, looking at church as something uh, very special. And to have a part in that, then uh, to just know that God uh, has done something uh, special in us. Because you see, not every believer is in church. They ought to be. They ought to be obedient to the Lord, obedient in baptism, obedient to a symbol. They ought to do that, but not every believer does that. People get saved, and sometimes you you don't know what happens to them. You never see them in church. You don't know where they've gone and what they're doing, but you know that God would like to have them in church. Assembling and learning and encouraging and helping and doing all of those things. In Luke chapter 1, I want you to read about Mary and... uh, some of the events in her life Uh, in chapter 1 and verse 28 the announcing angel Gabriel has come verse 27 says to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary and verse 28 it says and the angel came in unto her and said Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So you see, with this, can you imagine what this was like for her, this young girl? Uh, she's a young virgin girl, barely, probably in her teens still, maybe pushing 20. But here she is, and all of a sudden, an angel. You don't even have time to say, "Where did you come from?" There he is, and and this happened to her. And and so it says that when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. So she heard what he said when he said, "Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women." And so I see in in Mary this. This uh, listening to this angelic messenger that God has sent. And by the way, God selected Gabriel. He didn't have another angel to do this. He had an announcing angel to come and and to spread this uh, uh, word or to share this word with Mary. But I find in reading this portion of scripture, first of all, that Mary was an honorable woman. Honorable She was honorable because God had saved her. God had, through his influence of grace, had grown her, had made her to be this very special person. uh, That it's through God's working that she is what she is. None of us have saved ourselves, and none of us grow in faith without God. Uh, And that's what is happening here, is that here's a young woman who has had faith, God has, has worked in her life, but something now special is going to happen. It says here that she's highly favored. In other words, she has received more grace, or will receive more grace from God. And she's highly favored by God. He's, he's looking upon her. He has viewed her. He has watched her life. He has led her. He has been with her uh, to show her and to guide her. And so here she is then being told she's blessed uh, among women and yet she was troubled what kind of salutation is this who am I you see she's, a, she's not a princess she's not a queen she's not high society of any, so, any sort and so here's this angel telling her that she's favored by the Lord but why would the Lord favor me you know. here's what he goes on to say verse 30 And the angel said unto her Fear not Mary for thou hast found favour with God and behold thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end Now look at Mary's response She said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now that tells us a couple of things, but one, it tells us that she's expecting that however this is going to be accomplished, it's going to be accomplished through a human relationship, man and woman. But she says, I I haven't known a man, so how is this going to come to pass? Uh, I've, I've never been with a man, so how is this going to come to pass? You see, she didn't understand what he was saying. So in verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So what's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon her. And the Holy Spirit is going to work there. And she's going to conceive as the working of God takes place in her body. And uh, what she is conceiving here is Jesus. Now, what I want you to also consider about her then that is, is this, that, that Mary is an individual who has heard the, the word from God but has not understood it and so is, has a question about it. Aren't you and I the same way sometimes? We hear the word of God and sometimes we don't quite understand what he's trying to say to us. Sometimes we don't quite understand why that was written the way it was. And and we have these questions, and we need an answer. So where do you turn first to get the answer? I'm going to go look in a commentary. I'm going to go see what somebody else said. The first place you should look is to God. And God will direct you to His Word. And then with that, you're going to find that God has has a way to open things to you. But sometimes you still don't get it and you say to yourself, um, I still don't get it. <laughs> and, so, and so what do you do? Well, you just keep praying and asking and reading. And uh, then you go to your pastor and you say to your pastor, Pastor, I need some help. There's a portion of scripture here that I'm having difficulty with. And ask the pastor to help you. He's more than willing to sit down and, and, and share with you what he knows. If he doesn't know it, he's more than willing to research on it and to try to find out something that will answer your question. That's the way it works, isn't it? That's what pastors are for. They want to help people. They want to share what they know. They want to give what they can to lift people up. And so Mary didn't understand. She didn't know how that was going to happen. The heavenly messenger told her how things were going to happen and what did she do? Well, if you read on, it says uh, to us that excuse me, in verse 36, it says, The angel said, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. He had fulfilled his ministry. He brought the message. She received it. You see, what she said here is, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. What we see as a second characteristic is a humility. She says, I'm a handmaid of the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. Here's what she's saying. I'm a handmaid of the Lord, a servant of the Lord. And so, what we find there then is that humility where she would humble herself under God's Uh, direction under God himself, under God's uh, will, she yielded herself to that. She submitted herself to the will of God so that she would say, be it unto me according to thy word. Whatever you have said, I want that to happen to me. I'm willing to let that happen to me. I want to, to serve the Lord and honor him that this could be fulfilled in me. So here she is now, a humble woman, saying, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. What she just said, I make myself a servant. And the reason that she's saying that is because she wants God to be God in her life, controlling it. You see, she doesn't want to have anything to do with controlling her life. She wants God to control it. She's humbling herself. And so she wants nothing for herself. All she wants is to honor God, to let God do what he wants. And whatever God wants, she's going to be content with it. She's going to be accepting it. Whatever God wants, that's what she wants. Boy, I wish God had more people like that, don't you? Whatever God wants, that's what I want. Well, we can be that. We can be that. You see, God brings us to a place where we can make a choice. He gives us a message, a message just like he gave Mary. And then he says, will you respond to it in faith? And will you uh, make yourself to be one of my servants? And by the way, you know, according to Romans chapter 6, that whenever you got saved, you became a servant. There are no masters. There are servants. We're all servants. And we used to serve sin, but when we got saved, we became servants to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here she is then, willing to accept whatever God wants, willing to be content with whatever she wants, or he wants rather, uh, and to just say, according to thy word. According to thy word. Even when she was traveling with Joseph from Bethlehem to Nazareth, the Bible says she was, I'm sorry, from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem. The Bible says that she was great with child. What does that mean? That means that she had trouble moving sometimes because she had a baby protruding. Sometimes it's kind of difficult. But imagine now, traveling 90 miles, and the transportation, a form of transportation that you have is you're either walking... Or you're riding a a donkey. And I don't think she'd be climbing up on a camel. So so here you are. Can you imagine what that was like for her to walk that distance? And in that condition, I would think that they did not make 20 miles a day. Probably more like 10 miles a day. And so I would think that would take them about 9 to 10 days anyway, journeying from the northern part of the country Nazareth down to the southern part where Jerusalem was and and Bethlehem is just six miles south of Jerusalem so here they are going down going down to Bethlehem even when she had to go through all of that her faith did not waver God did not record anything of any complaints being made in the service that she was giving. There was nothing there that would cause her to doubt, nothing that caused her to fear. She was just confident in the Lord. If he said this was going to happen, then she's safe. Nothing's going to happen to her that God isn't going to take care of. So it, we look then at her and we, we see this humility The third thing that we see, we look in verse 46. Verse 46 says, Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I want you to just notice here humility. Humility. That her desire was to do one thing, that is to magnify the Lord. When God told her... Through the angel, what was going to be done? Her response was to magnify the Lord. She didn't magnify the angel, the messenger. She magnified the Lord. By the way, that's the way it should be in our churches. Pastors are special people, but you magnify God, not the pastor. Lift up God. Exalt him. Be thankful for the pastor. Encourage the pastor. Help the pastor, but recognize who the blessing is coming from. Give thanks to him and honor him. And then we look at this uh, uh, humility and we find that that um, God was doing something special. But there was no pride. No other woman like this. He said, he said to her that she was a special woman amongst women. So she could have had some pride in that. Hey, I'm something special. But you see, that didn't ever enter her heart. Never saw things that way. There was no pride there, just praise to the Lord. And then she says that she's blessed. You see, in verse 47, it says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. That's what you experience when you've been blessed by God. You, You have this happiness in your heart. That's what blessed means, is, is being happy. and But it's expanded, of course, more than that. But most of us just sum it up in the word happy. But here's what she's saying. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. I'm happy in Jesus. I'm happy in God. God has saved me. And by the way, you'll note here that she is talking about God being her Savior. So what she's telling us is that she is a human being like everybody else who has sin that needed to be forgiven in order for her to be saved. A human being just like everybody else. You see, one of the teachings that the Catholics have is what is called the Immaculate Conception. And that teaching doesn't say that Jesus had an Immaculate Conception. That teaching says that Mary had an Immaculate Conception. That is, that she was born without sin. Hmm. She said, God is her Savior, which tells you that she was not born without sin. She had sin. Thank God for her Savior. You see, thank God. My spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. This is the humil- uh, humiliation that she is speaking here. Lowest state. Lowest state. God knows All of us, where we are, what we are. She sees herself as she is, this low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. And we know that people have been calling her Blessed Mary for years and years, but you want to know something? I think she's just saying, generations are going to say, she's happy. She was happy. She is blessed by God. She was happy. When you read about Mary in this book, you should say to yourself, she was happy because of what God had done. She'd been blessed by God, and God did wonderful things for her. Blessed by God. And so you see a happy heart rejoicing. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Humility. The fourth characteristic that we'll find is in verse 56. Now, Mary had gone to be with Elizabeth. The angel told her that Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy. And so Mary, on finding that to be true, or knowing that that had been said, went to Elizabeth. And she spent three months with Elizabeth. You look at verse 56. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. She abode with her about three months. That is, she abode with her until after the birth of John. And what did she do there? Well, she and others helped Elizabeth during her pregnancy. They helped her. Uh, They gave of their own life to invest that in, in Elizabeth's life and in John's life and in Zacharias's life they made themselves to be an investment by helping somebody else trying to lift a burden that somebody else had and they accomplished that they were there for for a time she was there for 3 months and when she left there she was 3 months pregnant with Jesus And when she left there, she was going back to Joseph. Now, at that point, you start reading in Matthew, and you read about Joseph and his response, and you find out more than about the birth of our Lord. But you read in Matthew to continue that story and to find out what God had accomplished there. But I want you to see that fourth characteristic is being helpful. Being helpful. A person who can see the need in another person's life and then reaching out to help. What a wonderful blessing that person is. And how do you count them? Well, it's one of the blessings I receive because that person is helpful. Maybe maybe doesn't stay with me for three months, maybe just for a few minutes, but helpful in what they're accomplishing. So be thankful again for those people that come up in your life that are helpful to you in your well-being. Whether it's physical, spiritual, or whatever, it's a matter of responding to God and helping as they can and letting God uh, settle the, uh, the matter with the other person. But being helpful, deciding, making a decision. I will be helpful. When I see that need, if I can meet that need, I will be helpful. If I can't meet it, maybe I can find somebody else that can. I'll be helpful in that way. To do something, to help somebody... And so she served her cousin then for those three months. She became a servant, you see, to her cousin. This is what we see, is that here's a person who loves God and serves God. But here's a person who loves the neighbor also and serves the neighbor. Isn't that what Christians are commended commended for doing? Uh, Being a servant. So here's what we're going to do. We'll remind ourselves that, that we all need this encouragement. We all need help to live the life that God has given us, and the life that God is trying to develop uh, for His glory. But the blessing upon Mary, the greatest among women, the greatest blessing among women, did not change her character, but it did expand it. It did not change it, it just expanded it, and uh, made her to be even more of what God had already made her. Not because she made a choice to do it, but because God had worked to influence her heart with grace. You see, what we find is this. She had grace to be saved. Now she has more grace to be a servant. And now beyond that, there's more to be done. And so with added grace comes increased faith. When God gives more grace, then your response should be with faith. Always with faith. And she remained humble. Some might have become mired in pride. Others might have been thinking more of themselves than they should. Others may have become braggadocious, making themselves to be a stumbling block to others. But here's this woman who sees it all in a right light, doing something according to God's will in his time and to just simply be a vessel meet for his use. And then we look at this then and we find with that special blessing when it comes your way when God does something special in your life when that gladness of your heart rises up from your spirit Rejoice and be glad in him. Rejoice and praise the Lord. Reflect on what he's done. Keep it in your mind. Ruminate on it from time to time. Don't let it pass away. If God's done something special, don't let it go. Keep it fresh. Remind yourself, this is what God did. I was there. I saw him do it. This is what God did. This is what he did in my heart. This is what he did for me. So, let us then be sheep in the assembly, bringing forth testimonies of honor, of service, of humility, and of helpfulness. Let us do those things that God will make us to be blessings to other people. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful this evening for what you have brought to our attention from the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for Mary and her faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the example that uh, was given in her. Father, thank uh, thank you just for saving us and watching over us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the blood that you shed. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for indwelling us and uh, making our bodies to be your temple. Now, as we go about our business here, we want to Make sure that our business is your business. That what we're doing, Lord, is to honor you. And so we thank you, Lord, for the knowledge that you that you give and for the opportunities that are presented that we might serve others. Thank you for tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, usually you have somebody else pray in dismissal, right? I always pray after I preach. That's what what you should do then.